1: Okay, so I'm at our home base of operations in Orlando, Florida. Dennis is usually down at his air park in his little private studio uh, that he just built, actually. Uh, We'll we'll talk about that another time. But he's actually on location today because he is with uh, Pinnacle Aircraft uh, looking at his engine uh, situation. So, Dennis, uh, where are you exactly? Report in.
2: Well, I am actually in Silver Hill, Alabama at Pinnacle Aircraft Engines headquarters. And we're not just checking in on the Moody's engine, we're running it.
1: You're running your overhauled engine as we speak and uh, on site at the facility with uh, JD from Pinnacle. And uh, have you already went through the initial startup of this thing or what?
2: We did. We've already gone through the first run of it. I got video on a GoPro, got video on my phone, so I'm going to figure out some way to share this with our listeners so that they can see you know, what's involved in that first startup and uh, be able to see the Mooney's Engine come to life and be as excited, hopefully, as I was to, to finally see... The end is is near. There's there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we saw a flame shooting out of the out of the engine so Oh wait, wait, is that a good no, thing? No, it's supposed to the coming okay. out of the exhaust pipes. All we right. want that.
1: As long as it's uh, the exhaust pipe. And, and JD, I got to ask, you know, uh when you're doing something like this, especially under the uh prying eyes of of the owner like Dennis, uh are you a little nervous when you do this initial startup and initial test like, "Oh boy, better work," or what?
3: <laughs> no. Um you know, I've never had an issue with getting one started. Sometimes it takes a little longer because we can flood them or get oil fouled from the buildup oil and the spark plugs. Yeah. And that can be a little frustrating, but for the most part, uh, it normally goes really well uh, getting them to fire up and do as they should.
1: Okay. All right. Well, see, he's so calm. See, I would be you know, a little nervous there, Dennis. You don't
2: understand the additional pressure he put himself under, but I yeah. just found out today that JD is the one that actually built my engine. He didn't just have his shop build it. He actually went off into the back corner and built an engine by himself. Oh. He doesn't get to do that very often as, you know, being the head, you know, the big big cheese, the, the, the big guy. The grand bah of pentacle there we go uh (laughs) you know he he doesn't get to do that as much anymore so i i guess i provided him that opportunity so i'm sure he wanted to make sure that you know he still remembered how to do it
1: well i maybe or jd you were just so confident because you knew you did all the work that this thing was going to start and everything was going to work like a like a charm is that the case
3: well, I have the same confidence in my engine builders back there uh if I didn't uh, they definitely wouldn't be building engines well, so. understood but
1: <laughs> knowing that you did it you you that's why you're so calm because uh, I think uh if it would have been any normal human being, not like a superhero like you when it comes to rebuilding uh engines there at a pinnacle uh yeah they might you know might made the uh, butt muscles clench just a little bit, I guess on that first one, or maybe it's just me, I don't know. Uh, Dennis, but maybe what about you, Dennis, were you a little nervous on the initial startup or what?
2: You know, I wasn't nervous. I was. It was more anticipation and you know, excitement that hey, you know, we've been waiting for so long. I mean, I looked back and it was since March when you and I went to Arcadia. That was the last time I flew the Mooney. The engine's been you know pulled off and gone since sometime in June. Mm-hmm. And you know, now it, we're finally. It's it's going to happen. We're going to get this airplane back in the air. Yeah. You and I are going to get to com- you know start doing some of our adventures like we've been planning. We get to go to the Bahamas again. Uh, go see. Walt and the, and the crew down in Fort Lauderdale, maybe uh, right. go check out the the all these things that we've been wanting to do that we've been grounded. And, you know, now we're, we're finally getting
1: there. There you go. We've added a bunch to the list for sure. We got the list is like super long and you're in the home stretch of your engine overhaul. So, uh, you know, paint the picture. I know you're going to put up some videos and pictures possibly at radio.com Dennis, but. When you guys started this thing up, uh, is it basically, you know, is the engine like just an open hanger and, you know, it's just an engine and you, you hook it up to all these prods and power cables and stuff and all that, you know, that kind of thing or what? Well,
2: sort of. Uh, you know, it's actually in a soundproofed room hooked up to all sorts of sensors and diagnostic instruments. It's actually connected to a dyno mm. so that we can actually put a load on it and read how much RPM is being made, how much horsepower it's producing, things like that. But I can let JD talk a little bit more about the actual uh, dyno and engine run facility because, I mean, it's it's impressive. I'd say world class. He's, you know, the, the downdraft air and the cooling and things that they have done to, to be able to extended runs in here is is quite amazing
1: well uh take it away jd so this uh room this facility is it like um i don't know it's like it's like a clean room for airplane engines or how would you describe it
3: well i definitely wouldn't consider the dyno a clean room <laughs> um and the reason is we've had oil leaks you know um it gets oil in there and stuff like that so the the room is um well lit up uh you know it's pretty much soundproof yeah We run it from outside the room. Um, Everything's hooked up, the exhaust. We got downdraft cooling. Uh, The exhaust is pulled forward out of the side of the building. There's also the chamber, actually, for the exhaust going outside is silenced. If you're outside, you can't even hear the engine running. Nice. Um, And then we have water misters as well uh, for those good hot summer days down here in the south to help keep the cylinders cool.
1: Wow. So all that uh, wind and everything is is put in there to like simulate, uh, well, simulate real world uh, conditions? Is that what you're doing or what?
3: Just – it's all there for cooling purposes. Oh, okay. Um, you know, right. it's, it's very hard to keep these cool, especially with no cowing and, and the baffling and stuff where you're not really able to force feed air. Mm-hmm. We have to go in and kind of mimic that. How do we recreate more of a wind tunnel for the cooling purposes of the engine?
1: Got it. And, and as far as when you, uh, you know, fire up an engine like uh, like Dennis's engine from his Mooney 201, so the process – of Once you get this thing all hooked up and the testing uh, scenario, I mean, kind of work us through that a little bit and how long it takes.
3: The first session um, is about 45 minutes or so, mm-hmm. and we're going to start off at, at idle and then come up to 1,200 and go from 1,200 to 1,600, 18, 2,000, 2,450, kind of working up gradually, letting temperature settle in um before moving to the next one. And we document all that so we can able to see that at this uh particular oil temperature is our pressure is at this um you know, we have this amount of oil pressure all the way through the whole chart. Uh same with CHT, we're able to watch what the cylinder temps are doing. Um, At each different level And then at, at this point that we're at right now We're actually just finished up that por- uh, Portion of the run mm-hmm. So now we're going in and we're going to do a couple adjustments To the fuel system It was a little lean up on top It needs a little bit more fuel uh, And then we're going to fire it up and we're Pretty much going to start over again, um, get the engine warmed up, and work our way back to full power, and check all you know, do all the checks and balances again at that point. And if we've got to make any more adjustments, we'll make additional adjustments.
1: Got it. And that's fairly typical. This is just like fine tuning the engine and uh, getting everything uh, dialed in, I guess. Right. Correct. Okay. And Dennis, what what do you think when you were going through this first initial test of your engine? Were you monitoring a, a computer screen yourself and kind of looking over their shoulder and being as annoying as possible, or what?
2: Wow, it was almost like you were here. Yes, That's exactly what I, I did. I, I had know the you. Phone filming <laughs> it the whole time, getting screen grabs of the of the engine, sending a video clip of the full power run to my son just to kind of rub it in because mm-hmm. he couldn't come up here. And yeah, uh, you know it's it really nice. I mean, I, I walked in here, I was welcomed in, and said, so "Here's your engine. It's all hooked up," and was like. It didn't even look the same. You know, everything's all painted in pretty blue colors. And, yeah. You know, we were checking out all of the instrumentation, and they should give me a whole, whole tour of the facility here. And I got to see the process from where they, you know, tore it all down to where they put it all back together. And they've got a whole cart full of all the old parts that uh, came off the engine. And they were showing me even some of the other uh, uh, wear and tear that we found uh, when they
3: tore it apart. And
1: yeah. Anything surprising fucking- on that table of parts? where you're like oh really it
3: was that bad of shape no nothing really outside the norm and then what we expected of course i think he got a little bit more firsthand view of the actual camshaft and how bad it truly was
1: and how he might want to repurpose that camshaft into some kind of you know drink koozie He's into that kind of stuff more coming up on just Plain radio stay close
0: just plane radio the show devoted exclusively to flying in the aviation lifestyle
1: Quit dreaming about it and get to it. There has never been a better time to become a private pilot, and Flight Training Professionals in Orlando will show you how. Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407 896 0077. That's 407-896-0077. Or go to FTpros.com. That's FTPros.
0: Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
4: All right, guys, here we go. We got top seven answers on the board. Mid-flight, you'd hate to hear the pilot say, RJ. We're going to crash. We're going to (laughs) crash. All right. Paul, we need this one, buddy. This is your chance. Howdy, folks! This is your captain speaking. Sorry to inform you that I'm blank, lost. <laughs> I like that. Lost.
1: Oh. Oh. <laughs> this is just plane radio. Gregor, co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. Uh, look, you know, Dennis is pretty happy today because uh, he's getting his airplane back soon. He's at the facility uh, where they just overhauled his engine, Pinnacle Engines, in Alabama. And he's on site where they've been doing the first, I don't know, start up of the engine. Uh, Well, how far along are you in the process there, Dennis? Well, we've completed the first what they call
2: production test run. Like uh, like J.D. had detailed, you know, we started off slow and we built ourselves up to a full power run, let it cool down. Now they're making some adjustments, uh, making some tweaks to the the fuel, the mixture, things like that, and getting it all set to go do it all over again.
1: Okay. And dial it in. Uh, just fine-tune the engine before you, you ship it back to his home base. And Fort Myers at, at the air park, uh, air park, and then they'll put it back in the uh, plane and start flying this puppy. But but this is uh, this production run or, that you're going through right now, JD, is not a break in for the engine. It, it's uh, what you said, what a production run, right?
3: Correct. Um, it's not considered a break in. It's the same thing as if you were to buy a brand new engine out of the factory. They still run it on the dyno. It's ran with the same uh, procedures we use, but it's all considered production run. It's it's not actual time in the logbooks, and it's not actual break-in time. Uh, it normally takes, we see, uh, roughly about five hours for the oil consumption to really level off once the en- engine's back in the aircraft. Uh, the break-in process is actually considered the first 25 hours.
1: Okay. All right, so you're going to do a 45-minute run. You're going to do another, what, 45-minute run after you've made some adjustments, and and then where do you go from there, J.D.? Well,
3: if all the adjustments we've made um, are good this time, that next 45 minutes should be about it for us. Uh, If not, we go in and make a couple more adjustments to get it exactly dialed in where we need it. Uh, And then from there, we're going to unhook it and pull it out, We've got to finish dressing it out. Um, He did send it in with all the the baffling and everything, so we're going to go ahead and reinstall all that for Dennis so he doesn't have to mess with it when it gets there. Uh, Then we'll get it in a crate and have it headed to his place there at the – Airport.
1: There you go. And he'll be good to go and flying in no time. So, uh, w- when you're dialing it in, when you're making these small little adjustments, to, uh, like you said, it was a little lean on the higher RPMs, and that's what you made an adjustment on. Are there any other tweaks that you can make for the engine, like specific to the pilot? Uh, what What he particular desires, like like, hey, I want one that kind of you know revs up higher on r p m or is it just like a standard this is what the you know the manufacturer of the engine recommends, and these are the specs we 're shooting for j d
3: we've got to stay within the legal specs of the engine, okay,
1: so I mean, but Dennis, have you been looking at that like hey, you know, if you juice it right here, I'll have a little bit more performance and give up a little uh, gas mileage. Have you looked into that? I know you. You're a nerd that Unfortunately, way.
2: Unfortunately, we can't do that kind of thing. You but know, have you be, looked into it to... is my question,
1: Dennis. Well, we certainly <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: but now you're talking custom cams and things that, uh, that go beyond the realm of what you can put into a certified airplane.
1: Okay, understood. So, yeah,
2: all right. But, but, uh, but, you know, but, I, but I'm okay with it the way it is. I mean, this thing is probably going to make far more power than the old one was, given the condition of the cam, the fact that the exhaust valves were not open. Fully anymore. Yeah. This engine's probably going to produce what 10 15 percent more horsepower than it was uh, the last time I flew it. Is that what you is, uh,
1: are thinking there, JD, or what, what do you predict? Or do yeah, you know? we should
3: be about that with the bad cam and stuff. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to end up making a little bit over the two hundred that it's rated for, which is pretty normal. Um, we're allowed a percentage. We're allowed, I believe, on a coming it's minus zero plus 2%. Yeah. Uh, so we're liable to make that 2% pretty easily.
1: Okay. Is that something you think you'll actually notice when it's back in the plane there, Dennis, flying this thing? Or do you know? Well, it, we
2: probably will see it once we start going cross-country with it. And, you know, you might see that the cruise airspeed might be a little higher than what I was used to.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing.
2: You would like that. <laughs> Little,
1: little oh, yes. extra junk in the trunk, or well, it's not in the trunk, but you know what I mean. Well, there's yeah.
2: plenty of junk in the trunk. That's always been your complaint when you fly with me. We don't yeah. even have enough room to haul all the stuff that we want
1: to take. Well, that is a, a different issue altogether. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's a you know, it's something you've been looking forward to for some time. So once you get through the second testing phase or production run, I mean, are you are you looking for anything else on this uh, test? Uh, Day as well there, Dennis, I know you're recording it, and maybe in the next segment, we'll uh, play back some of the audio of the actual engine going through the test. But, I mean, are you looking uh, for anything in particular outside of what JD's been, you know, just following the book by?
2: I just want my engine back, you know, Uh, and running, but... But J.D. has assured me that I will probably notice some very significant improvements in that engine. Uh, some of the things that he does, it's just a standard part of his build, is to balance things like the pistons. He His tolerances are much tighter than if I would have gotten a new engine from the factory. So he's trying to balance things to within a gram of weight. Hmm. Well, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're spinning it at 2,700 RPM back and forth, that makes a difference. And so this engine should be smoother. Okay. It should run better better. better uh produce more power and then we start adding some of the other work that we did with things like the propeller overhaul right Uh, they did a lot to balance that propeller because it was way off
1: got it so jd that that would be that would be like a vibration thing so to make it more comfortable is that what uh, he's talking about there you think or what
3: correct yes we try to you know get everything balanced a lot closer to uh help with the vibration in the aircraft
1: does that make it quieter potentially too when it's running or no,
3: uh, not really for the exhaust wise, you know, as far yeah. as the actual noise. But you're going to get a little bit of sound that from the inside as far as sitting in the pilot seat from, of course, parts not shaking around in the aircraft. Got it.
1: All right. And once he gets it back to the airpark and puts it in his aircraft, his Mooney 201. Uh, he's going to need to run this thing, you know, from kind of, well, with like a break-in type of a scenario for, you say, 5 to 25 hours, thereabouts. Is that right? Right.
3: So once he gets it back, he'll get it installed. Um, they're going to do a quick ground run-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to run it long on the ground, but the main thing is we're trying to make sure that all the oil lines and everything that were removed are back on and hooked up aren't leaking. Right. Um, And then we're going to, you know, get it cowed up and take off, and your first hour is going to be at 75% power. The second hour, we want to fluctuate between 75 and 65 every 10 minutes.
1: Well, when um, you say we, you mean it's Dennis. Or are you coming uh, to his air park uh, to schmooze off of him and have him?
3: Have, uh, I, don't, I don't know. That I might think, not be a bad plan. I was,
1: you think uh, he owes you, like, a good dinner of lobster or something, or maybe, uh, you know, those Florida stone crabs are pretty, uh, pretty tasty in his neck of the woods there. You know what I mean? Have you thought about well, that, Dennis?
2: We get him to come down. We'll put him in the Mooney, and we'll go down to Everglades City
3: and go get those fresh. Well,
1: uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's a little above and beyond what you guys typically do. I assume, JD, is that right?
3: Yes, but it's always nice to be able to get out of here and then go see the engine actually in its home where it belongs.
1: See, it's baby uh, take flight. I get it. The website
3: pae. Arrow Pinnacle Aircraft Engines, and uh, we got more
1: coming up on Just Plane Radio. Stay close.
0: Just Plain Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Imagine traveling twice as fast
1: as you can drive. Imagine taking friends and family snorkeling, surfing, skiing, shopping, and more to exotic destinations. Imagine attending business meetings in cities far away and still making it home at night.
0: Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
3: I was flying.
0: I was, Of course I was flying. I'm leaving on a just plane Don't know when I'll be back again
1: This is Just Plane Radio. Greg, your co-pilot, that is me, along with Captain Dennis. He has uh, changed locations away from Pinnacle Aircraft Engines. He's uh, went into another secure location where he can, well, he's free to talk and uh, share his true thoughts now that JD is uh, not next to him. And uh, so has your story, is it going to change at all? Are you just as excited as you were just a few minutes ago? Because I I think it's uh, the latter.
2: Uh, if anything, the the store the uh, faith in JD is only getting better as we go here. Okay, you know? all right, there um, you go. So I've had a chance to see the engine since that test run, and they've they've got everything wrapped up on it. And they're starting to put it all back together for me now, and so we've got the the baffling is on there and. It looks just absolutely amazing now with the you know the white, white baffling, all new silicone gaskets where it's going to meet the cowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's coming together. They're supposed to get it in the crate, and get it shipped out. Um, it might be showing up on our dock yet uh, today, so oh, I'm wow. hoping that's yes. fast.
1: Okay, so I'll tell you what uh, you know uh, Dennis was able to get me some audio of his engine, so let's, let's just fire it up right now. Okay, uh, clear. Yeah, well, we're clear. This is a tape of his engine. I don't know. There it goes. It's it's sputtering. It sounds like it's going to turn over. Give it a kick. I think I can. I think I can. You think think I can. can? Or is it already running? I don't know. What is that? Well, right
2: now, it's burning off all of the oil and lubricants and things that they had when they did all the assembly. There's a lot of excess oil in the cylinders and the camshaft and everything, and that's all got to go somewhere. So it's fouling out the plugs a little bit. So it's a little hard to get it going right away until you get that stuff burned off.
1: Okay. All right. So
2: If you look at the video, you'll see some pretty ugly black smoke coming out. She looks like she's rolling coal a little bit.
1: Well, but now it sounds good. I mean, if I'm just going by the sound... The engine sounds uh, like a well-oiled flying machine. Uh, and,
2: yeah. and this is just the idle. You know, we're only at 1,600 RPM here. Uh, during the testing, we brought it all the way up to 2,700 RPM. Directly. Oh, well, and we're so, going to have
1: to get the audio of that. But this yeah. is just a start up and idle that we got so far. Maybe next week we'll get uh, some other sounds. Maybe once it gets in the airplane, uh, you know, once you get the engine at your home base... You figure you're going to be able to put this together in what, a day or two? Or what do you think?
2: Oh, I wish I could do it that quickly. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, JD has graciously offered that if I can't, you know, get mechanics and whatnot to do it, that he'll come down. And he said, Oh, it only oh, take yeah? two days. It's like, yeah, that's okay. easy for you to say. But, you know, here with other obligations, work and things like that, it's oh, probably that take four me a letter word of work. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not familiar with that one, but yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I usually hit the dump button when we uh, use that four letter word, but I'll let it fly uh this week. But uh, <laughs> but, uh but yeah, Funny. but but he says a couple days with a valid mechanic. Is that the yeah. deal? Yeah.
2: And I don't think he's wrong. I mean, yeah. we did a lot of we pulled a lot of stuff off, but all the work is done. It's just a matter of, you know, putting it back on. I've got, you know, several boxes from Aircraft Spruce with new bolts, new motor mounts. All the new hoses are are shipping down with it because he had those custom made for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have everything in, you know, more or less one place. It's just a matter of trying to remember how it goes back together. Well, I've got lots of video footage and pictures and stills we took to try to figure out how to properly route all of these cables. And
1: Mm -hmm. yeah, well, Well, who does this? Do you get to do a lot of this yourself or do you have to have uh, an official, you know, API or whatever? A&P. Yeah. yeah, One of those.
2: (laughs) So I hope to be able to do the majority of this work myself, yeah. um, you know, get my son Austin to to join us, uh, some of the other pilots in the neighborhood that helped me take it off. Mm-hmm. We can do the grunt work. I mean, a lot of this is nothing but turning wrenches and following instructions. It's all in the Mooney service manual to, you know, what torque specs and looking at the parts catalog will remind you what bolts go in, you know, what areas, things like that. So that part of it's pretty straightforward. Where we need the A&P, though, is at the very end to inspect all of our work yeah. and make sure that we did everything right and actually sign it off. So we'll get him to do that, and then we'll be able to run the engine and check for leaks and then button the cowl up, and it'll be t- ready for a test flight well, as, do, as are, the annual's done.
1: Do you already have one of those on you know, like on call, so to speak, or are you, are you thinking, I do.
2: Yeah. No, we actually have an a, uh, one, of my, one of our neighborhood friends is an A&P, and okay. so- um, I've already kind of asked him if he would be uh, comfortable with the, with doing the sign off because you know yeah he may have his inspection or his A and P license but does he want to take on the, the liability of signing the logbook for installing an engine right you know
1: he he's gonna have to look over your shoulder a bit while you do this I would imagine well,
2: right. I, I'd imagine I'm probably gonna tap his expertise quite a bit yes uh, so yeah
1: the key is is putting your engine back in your Mooney two hundred one. And all the parts that you took off initially during the, you know, uninstall, uh, you don't have any left over when you have it all put back oh, together.
2: <laughs> you mean the wee parts? The ones that you, oh, what's this? Uh, throw it over your shoulder. Wii! <laughs> oh, yeah, those.
1: Yeah. You don't want to yeah. have any extras, I don't think. Well,
2: We probably will because I bought so many new parts that I'm going to be taking a lot of old nuts and bolts and washers and getting rid of them.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Up on the web, there's some pictures showing the motor mount, the actual bolt that holds secures the mount to the firewall Mm -hmm. is only a quarter inch diameter bolt. It's pretty small and that's been in there 25 years. We're not going to Trusted for another twenty five years, it's it's done well. Let's get a new one and give it a re- early retirement. You know okay. things like that. So we're going to have a lot of miscellaneous parts as we put new one in their place. It well, just doesn't make sense to cheap out.
1: Well, you definitely don't want to cheap out, but as long as you are replacing a part, we just don't want to like uh, look down in the box and like wait a minute, where what was this part Ooh, from?
2: <laughs> that looked important. Yeah, where did that go? Yeah, you videotaped
1: yeah. the whole thing or or took pictures when you were taking it apart, so to avoid those. Caveats, all
2: all right? of the above, yep. yeah. <laughs> Got lots of still pictures of some of the complex areas and then uh, went ahead and shot just kind of an uh, in-depth walk-around video as well so we can kind of see where the engine monitoring cables were wired, how the prop and mixture and throttle controls were all, all routed mm-hmm. so that we can kind of get everything back into the same area and get it hooked up as simply as possible.
1: So the goal ideally will be this time next week you might have your plane put back together. Uh, I think that's, that's still too be optimistic. It. I yeah. think that's too
2: optimistic. Okay. But we're going to try really really hard.
1: All right. Well, uh, at least uh, you know we're down in the home stretch uh yeah. when it comes to putting it back together. And then once you get this thing put together, you what do you get a fly with the uh with the mechanic too or who who do you got to get this thing checked out with? <laughs>
2: You're looking you? at the test pilot. Okay. <laughs> So, I, I get to do the flight. I mean there there should be nothing um out of the ordinary here. We've already run it in the test cell. We've run it twice for 45 plus minutes each time. Mm-hmm. That engine should be perfect in the airplane, you know. Yeah. So we'll do the test run, make sure we've got no leaks and the fuel's good and all that kind of stuff and we sh- it should just be a normal flight.
1: And then you're going to do like 5 hour minimum break in up to 25 hours like JD was saying.
2: Exactly. The first two hours are probably the most crucial where we'll run it really, really hard for that first hour. Then we'll vary the speed the second hour. And then after that,
1: Taco Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. You run up to Orlando. Pick me up. Let's go. Hey, that's, that might be something we do. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, as far as that initial uh, test flight, I mean, will you feel a little bit nervous or are you going to be too excited? You think?
2: Probably too excited. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm obviously going to be going over everything in my head of what happens, but I, I know it won't. I trust JD. I trust that engine. Having seen it run firsthand, yeah. I, I know it's solid. Well, you're going to so,
1: stay in the pattern, I assume, for this. I, I right? will
2: stay close to home uh, for the first bit until I make sure that everything's okay. But then I think I'm going to want to get out of our little area just because we're underneath the uh, Fort Myers uh, um class charlie shelf ah. so it would give me more room and latitude i could go up a little bit higher if i get out a little bit of ways uh out over yeah. some of our practice areas they
1: increase that glide scope uh, just a little bit just a little yeah, yeah. just to, you know loosen the clenching of the but butt we'll muscles. see
2: how quickly we get up to pattern altitude though with all the extra power that this thing is going to be producing
1: there you go all right hey uh coming up we got an update on a story that we did last week on the show stay close it's coming up next on just plain radio
0: Oh my god, we're in the air. Oh my god. This is so amazing. Oh my god, I love airplanes. I am a captain in the Civil Air Patrol, the Air Force Auxiliary, so I am a
1: huge fan of airplanes. The ladder, you guys. Beautiful. They don't get to be in airplanes as much as I do, so it was really fun to watch their faces. I appreciate it because it's looking at the world through a different perspective. You see everything in a whole new light. So true. This is Just Plane Radio. Gregor Copilot. That is me along with Captain Dennis. Uh, that is a clip from Survivor that just launched their latest season. Hopefully they'll do some flying and uh, we'll cover it accordingly on the big show. Uh, last week, we had my uh, good friend Kurt McCardo on. He uh, made an attempt to break a Guinness Book of World Record uh, to, to hit all the airports across the U.S. in you know, the shortest amount of time. It didn't work out. He had a, uh, well, he had an engine issue or prop issue that kind of derailed the effort. However, he did draw attention uh, to a couple efforts. One of them was to celebrate, you know, or or reflect on September 11th. And the other was one of his local airports in Detroit. And, um, you know, and, and he did succeed at drawing some attention to that. And we said we'd look into finding out what was going on in that neck of the woods. Dave Tarrant is his buddy. Uh, in crime, in that regard, I don't know if in crime is uh, right, uh, Dave. But uh, welcome to Just Plain Radio, just the same. How are you?
4: Just fine, thanks very much, Greg.
1: Okay, so you belong to the same, uh, air, well, uh, flying club uh, as Kirk does,
4: right? Yes, there's about 48 members of the club. I happen to be president. Kirk is uh, what we call co-ops officer. There's two operations officers, one for content, one for process. He's the process guy.
1: Okay. Well, that sounds pretty technical and uh, impressive,
4: any way you say it. But
1: uh, but the airport there in Detroit, what is the field again? What is the name of it?
4: It's, it's originally Detroit City Airport. It was renamed the Coleman a. Young uh, International Airport for a former mayor, but it's Colloquially known still as City Airport, simpler to say, easier to say. Got it. And it was the airport that was uh, the original mainstream airport for Detroit.
1: Okay. All right. So it has a lot of history, but uh, the situation uh, is very similar to a lot of airports uh, that find themselves in this uh, you know, current climate where, I don't know, the local city government, not as supportive as they used to be. And that was kind of what you guys are trying to draw some attention to. Is that right?
4: That's correct. Um, Detroit has a very large metropolitan airport uh, that's a first-class facility that is used for most of the, or essentially all of the commercial aviation purposes, that is uh, passenger services. Mm -hmm. Uh, The city airport was that airport many years ago uh, through 1946, and then it continued to offer commercial passenger service through about 1990. However, um, since that time, it's really not been practical for that usage. And uh, the real problem there is not the lack of passenger service. Uh, there's been a, a great deal of activity historically at that airport that's more general aviation than character. Uh, but the city just has proven that it's really not able to operate an airport. Yeah. And, and it's a lot of the deteriorate.
1: And so the local uh, – well, the mayor, I guess, is – I mean, what is the the conflict now? He'd like to use that land in some other way that's not conducive to general aviation uh, or what?
4: Yes. Um, of course, Detroit uh, is a city that has lots of contrasts. And one of them is that while the metro area has 5 million people, it's a very robust economy, uh, and parts of Detroit are very successful and robust – other parts are not and the inner city neighborhoods have really, really deteriorated. There's a lot of problems there and the mayor wants to fix them and that's very laudable. So we support that in general. Mm-hmm. However, he, he believes that, uh, they believed, I should say that the airport really was less valuable as a resource as an airport than it was vacant land that could possibly be repurposed or a plant or something. Mm-hmm. And in April of 2017, he he publicly stated he wanted to close the airport. And people who are familiar with the actual facts of aviation and aviation business were very alarmed at that and uh, pushed back really hard. Uh, the organization that I referenced uh, previously, uh, the uh, Education Association, of which I'm an executive director of that as well, in uh, and, and keeping with a lot of other community interests, basically stopped that. Great. And uh, so he's not closing the airport, not attempting to close it. Uh, he now is trying to curtail parts of it under the guise of rebuilding the airport. Mm. So the the battle has moved on from you know, keeping the airport open, period, to how do you fix it, how do you manage it, and uh, how do you fund all that?
1: I got you. And so uh, you and Kirk and uh, the Flying Club and... And a couple of the organizations there in the area that are familiar with the airport and its contribution uh, to to the economy, not just for general aviation. Uh, your your purpose is to just educate them, I guess, and, and understand that. Hey, look, you don't want to get rid of this. You got over that hurdle, but now the next phase is just trying to make sure they whatever changes they make are still conducive to general aviation.
4: Absolutely. And, and of course, General Aviation, speaking broadly, there's a lot of jet service there now. And the, despite the fact that the facility is really run down and, and decrepit in many ways, uh, the, the because the demand is there, I'll just illustrate, uh, it's only seven to ten minutes to downtown from this airport. Hmm. It's a priceless asset. Yeah. And there's lots and lots of high-performance turboprops and business jet traffic there because – time is money for ceos and high officials in the government as you sure. well know and so there's there's an awareness now i think even within the mayor's own mind that it's 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 got uh use use, use it's got a, a an important usage but he wants to close a, a, a runway and take some of the property anyway and the runway happens to be the prevailing wind runway uh, and, of course you know there's there's a lot of other issues around that are somewhat complex. And the time we have, it's pretty hard to get into them too deeply. But the point is that we now have the, the, the battle has moved on to a different plane. It's it's off the plane of saving it and onto the plane of making it correct.
1: Got it. So have you used the uh, typical ploy of like, hey, you know, uh, come on over to the airport, let's go for a flight? And show you what this is all about.
4: (laughs) We've offered that several times. You know, the mayor is a very, very smart guy. He's a very sophisticated politician. um, And and there's a lot of good things about the mayor. And that's one of the things that makes it a little tricky for us, because Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really dislike or want to oppose the mayor broadly. That's just not our our intention. Right. The intention is to um, get the, the, the the administration along the right path. And that path is, first of all, create a master plan and a layout plan that's sensible for the business of the airport. Right. Second, change the governance structure. Because it's anything anytime you want something done there, it, there's 15 city departments that have to be coordinated. And it's silly. It's, it's all accessible airports are either privately held or they're under an authority. Mm-hmm. And this is neither. So we need to we need to get that changed as well. And that's that's pretty hard politically. This is a long this is a long term challenge.
1: Got it. And, and that's what you wanted to draw attention to, to just let more people know that, hey, we're dealing with yes. this battle. We're trying to educate the the city officials locally there. And and if you want to help us out, uh, what, just speak up to your local representative in the area or what?
4: Well, that plus uh, donate plus uh, the, I think the major thing here over time is um, our, our approach has been to win every tactical battle. Uh, recognizing that that's not the war. Mm-hmm. But just keep winning tactical battles because over time, this administration will change. Not immediately. He's up for his third term. He's going to win it. And and uh, it, that's actually, broadly speaking, good for the city. So we just want to make certain that we don't let anything bad happen to the airport right. and gradually make progress on all these tactical issues until finally the day comes when there's a tipping point.
1: Got it. And so if people want to get more information, they could go where online to maybe join but, your but, club or – Yes,
4: a, we have a website, uh, the Education Association website, uh, and uh, what you can just Google, uh mm-hmm. Coleman International Airport Education Association, and you'll get it. And uh, that's up and live, and uh, we have a way for people to communicate on that. And the, the Flying Club as well, Eximius Flying Club is another way, another portal. And also, I'll just give my phone number out because you can always call me to okay. 313-515-0909.
1: Spoken like a true aviator. I <laughs> yeah, love it. That's a, well, yeah, that's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, and keep it up, Dave. Very grateful. Thank you very much. No problem. And uh, that'll do it for this week. Till next time, remember, there's no better high
2: than learning to fly.